We've spent about a half a year looking at our outward expression of the things we believe, our, our visible faith as we call it, and I know that we did not scratch the surface, and the same is going to be true for, uh, for this last half of this uh, year. Uh, we're not going to touch just even a bit uh, of what we could. We're going to be going through uh, developing our internal faith. And am I on? There should be something up there. <laughs> the first week back. There we go. All right. Whew. Scared me. What would it be a PowerPoint without technical difficulties? Um, the closer we get to Christianity, the more correctly a particular word is accurate. We hear the word spiritual all the time. We're going to be talking about uh, being spiritual for the remainder of this year. What does that mean? Um, I don't know if we'll get a good definition uh, by the time we're done with this, but we're, we're going to hope to, to at least gain some insight into some things. And um, when we talk about being spiritual... Uh, as I say, the, the closer we get to Christianity, the better of a definition I think we'll get. Uh, but there are a range of ideas of the way this word is used because it is so vague and because it is beyond who we are as a, as a, as a humanity. This word is, is very, very vague. I'll give you some ideas. of uh, so, so there are things called, I didn't know they existed, but spiritual atheists. I don't know if you've, you've heard, that's a, that's a thing apparently. And, uh, uh, and so I don't know, like, what songs a spiritual atheist sings or, you know, I, I, I'm not quite, quite sure how that works. But uh, a spiritual atheist, from, from what I can gather, it means more like getting in touch with your kind of emotional self and, and, and doing a lot of thinking about things, I guess. Um, and, and so the self or the universe or science, and all of that kind of becomes your God and your religion. Well, that's, that's a, a form of the word spiritual. Um, in, in Eastern religion, so there's actually people who uh, acknowledge religion of some sort, uh, the, the idea is a little bit different. We, New Age-ism is kind of connected to this idea uh, of, the, of Eastern religion. It's more contemplative or meditative and, and, and calming. and uh, So it's a little bit like the atheist version. There's not a whole lot of God there. Uh, self and nature uh, becomes uh, the God, your connection to nature, things like that. And so the strict concept of God goes still undefined. It's, it's, it's maybe... Uh, more so than in atheism, which doesn't believe in a God, but it's still extremely vague. It's, it's like this higher consciousness uh, sort of thing. And even within Christianity, it can be misapplied. And again, we're getting closer to an idea, but uh, this is if you're a Christian uh, and you're spiritual, this is kind of maybe some of the, the thoughts. You have to be out there standing or uh, uh, somewhere uh, kneeling and, and, and with some sort of silhouette. Um, that's, that's Christianity's version a lot of times of, of being spiritual. Uh, it, it means you probably raise your hands when you sing or pray. Um, that would be spiritual. Uh, it means if you breathe a lot when you talk. It's very breathy, kind of spiritual. Um, you say like things like praise Jesus a lot. That's, that's very spiritual. 
Uh, I was um, at a, at a re rehab center, and, and it was run by uh, a, I was, I was doing a program called Celebrate Recovery. Not sure if you've ever heard of it. It's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's, it's based on the Bible instead of being just very general uh, higher power thing. And, and the guy who ran it, uh, uh, we, we had a schedule every week. I showed up. Now, I had to take a bus out of town, um, and uh, communication in Ukraine, not very great. And so, so I had to take a bus out of town. It's like an hour. My, my translator had to come with me. He's on the clock. Uh, so he was paid to do this, and, and so it's an hour out, an hour back. And he, uh, we got there one day, and they had scheduled somebody else and, uh, for, for that particular time slot. And I said, like, you know, I have a phone. You, I mean, we, we did exchange phone numbers. At any point this week, you could have told me before I paid for my translator for an hour and, and spent basically two hours of my day, you know, coming out here. And he's like, well, aren't you led by the Spirit? <laughs> like, so, so being spiritual is like very spontaneous and change your plans and that, that's, that's his idea of, of, of spiritual it means you know you can you know basically really be inconvenient for other people and expect them to suck it up and so, so that, was, that was being spiritual uh, it sometimes means like moral within Christianity this is getting closer it's just, uh, if you were moral, what you do or don't do makes you spiritual. Um, I suppose that's closer to accurate. I don't know that it's, it's causative, but maybe correlative. Um, and here, sometimes the spirit is treated as a formula. Where visible actions determine your spirituality. And, that, and they may. They, 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 where they may be indications of it. But you can have someone do very virtuous moral things and not be very spiritual. So we're, we're going to try to to get a, a better understanding. Again, as I say, I don't know that we're going to ever define it perfectly because it is an idea that eludes humanity. Uh, we're going to, to back up a little bit to some basics. And you saw those weird little diagrams. I tried to make them look all Eastern-y. But, but we're going to be looking at four elements of the spirit. Before we can talk about what it means to be spiritual, I think we need to know about the spirit, don't we? And specifically, we're referring to the Holy Spirit. We're going to even back up before that. Uh, but I want to turn to, uh, this is actually a passage we started into this morning in the adult class, uh, is in 2 Corinthians. And our, our, our thoughts kind of for the next four weeks are going to come from, from this passage 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse uh, 13. It says, We have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, so we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise uh, us with Jesus and bring us Within, with you to his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, and though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. 
And you're wondering what that has to do with the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack four elements here over the next four weeks of what it means to be spiritual and looking at the Spirit. And I know you say, uh, well, there is one reference to the Spirit in here. And, and just to be clear, this, it's not a reference to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's talking about a spirit of faith. Um, but um, before we even get to identifying the Holy Spirit, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to just talk about a spirit. What is a spirit? We're going to be very basic and we'll work our way up. Whatever we figure out what a spirit is, then we can start working on what the Holy Spirit is, right? And, and then maybe we can understand what spirituality really is. Well, what is a spirit? Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says this, and this is one of uh, early references. It says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And when we get into the composition of what we are. We're going to look at three words. Two of them are in, in this passage. We have breath, which is neshama, and we have the word soul down there, which is uh, nefesh. There's a, another word where we're going to look at. And I want to look just very, and I know, no, this is really boring stuff, uh, but I just want to look at, they're very similar words in, in terms of what they refer to, but the, there's, there's crossover, but they're isolated at the same time. Um, so, so breath here is neshamat. It can, it can refer to a spirit. Uh, it is seldom used or translated as spirit, but, but the definitions cross over a little bit. Then there's this word soul, um, which is nefesh. They're not related. Uh, they might look a little similar, but they're not, um, they're not from each other as far as I can tell. But it's interesting, he says that, that God breathes a breath or air. Now this is interesting because breath or air is also uh, from, from, the, from the same word spirit. In, in the Greek, in the New Testament, this word, the equivalent for the word spirit or ruach is pneuma. Right? Oh, I've heard of pneuma. I was talking with our, our, our kids last night. We were doing a devo. You've heard of a pneumatic drill or a, some, some, a pneumatic relay or something like that? That's pneuma. That's air. It's an air-powered relay or a drill or whatever. Um, and and, and so, so there's these crossovers of, of definition. And uh, so, so the spirit, and, it, and, and the word neshema for breath is never going to be translated for the Holy Spirit. Is I, I want to be up right up front with that. The spirit will always be ruach. It is isolated, even though they can, the word spirit will talk about breath and things like that. Uh, they, they have some crossover in their definitions. But I want you to notice something interesting about our identity, who we are. Here, here was this, this thing that God laid out, uh, this, this physical body. Right? He formed it out of the dust of the ground and it's sitting there. And, and God breathes into it breath or some form of spirit, right? And it is at that point we become a soul. We don't have a soul. 
I want you to notice the difference between that. We do not have a soul. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. That's, a, that's important, isn't it? That's, that's a distinction. A soul is this weird combination of spirit, breath, that God places in you. And, 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 you're, and this is why we... Well, I have this emotion. I have this feeling. Was that spiritual? Was that a, a product of some physical function or, or biological thing in my brain? And I'm sorry. I, I can't tell you where one ends and the other. That, and that's what Bible says in, in Hebrews. He says, listen, the, the scripture is sharp and active, but it's able to pierce the division between soul and spirit. I am, that is above my pay grade. So, so if, you're waiting, if you're waiting for me to give you a great definition... You're going to be waiting a long time. I don't have that information. And, and, and we're just doing the best we can. We're kind of groping around in the darkness here, trying to, trying to get a handle on this. Another passage which is similar refers back to this in Job 34, 14, and 15. It's as if he, talking about God, should set his heart to it and gather himself his spirit. Now this is the word ruach. And his breath, the neshama. Then all flesh would perish together and man would return to the dust. Man could no longer be a living soul. Good luck with cloning people. Because unless they come up with a way to force the Holy Spirit to give his Life and his breath to a physical creature, you're not making it. There's something different. Now, you can clone a sheep all you want, but it, the Holy Spirit hasn't given his breath or his, his life to make a living soul out of that. They're different. That's just an extra. That wasn't in my notes. So, as we talk about the composition of man and we get just a basic concept of what a man is and focus on what it means to have a spirit, just a, a, just a basic spirit, we're going to look at the first element, which is life. This, this spark of whatever it is in humanity that, that, that makes us what we are. That is the first function of any spirit. The function of a spirit is life. And, and so when we talk about being spiritual, uh, when we go through the primary function that we are going to see again and again and again and again is going to be, we're going to refer back to this for the next half year, so, so get used to it. We're going to be here a lot. Is life. Some aspect of life. That's what the Holy Spirit, it's like the Holy Spirit is going to do it on a much higher level because he's level. He's the Holy Spirit. And so that is what it's going to be to be spiritual. I want to look at three aspects of this as we go back to, to 2 Corinthians. It says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us. And life in you. And we talked about this this morning. It looks familiar. Uh, that's, as I was preparing my notes for class for, for this morning, I, I was like, 
boy, this text would be a good text. I already had my sermon, uh, so I was up till two reworking this to, to put this in here as kind of basic, the basic text for, for the next four weeks. Because I was like, wow, all these elements are, are kind of in this. Uh, so, so we look at the beginning of life. Well, well, the Holy Spirit was present, and we go through Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we see the Holy Spirit present in, in performing these things of giving human life its origin and making it a soul. And so we're going to see the same thing spiritually, that, that, that it is the Spirit that gives us life. And you're asking this verse, what in the world does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? The, the, the word Spirit isn't in here at all. Why, why are you saying this is a function of the Holy Spirit? Well, just hang with me just a little bit. I want to look at John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Or we could say that which is born of the Spirit is spiritual. It would be kind of the way we might say that today. That it is the Spirit. When we talk about baptism and the importance of baptism. But a lot of times we get off on the, the, the focus on the water. And, and what that does. But what we don't realize or maybe we know it, but we just kind of, in an emphasis on the water part of things, we, we kind of forget that it is the Spirit that is performing the action in renewing this person, this natural person, and making him a new person. It is the Spirit that does life. That is his function. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit or spiritual. So... That is what the Spirit has to do with that. So, Andrew, another question. What is a Spirit? You still haven't answered that. Well, get used to that one because I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> I, I'm doing the best I can. I can't define it for you. Um, John 3 tells us why. Later on in that same text, he said, The wind blows where it wants and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is Jesus telling Nicodemus, listen, humanity doesn't have a language for which I can explain to you the Holy Spirit. The best you can do, it's like the wind. Now he's using the play on words. It's like the wind, right? Spirit is wind. It's air. He's like, it's the same concept. I think this is why the word Spirit is applied to the Spirit, because this is the metaphor that we have to have to try to figure this out. I don't think the spirit is composed of wind or air. Well, it's just a metaphor for us to try to figure this out. He's like, you don't see it. You'll never see it. But you have to figure out what it is based on the effects you see. Right? It's blowing this way. How do I know? There's a bunch of leaves. It just blew that way. I can see the, the ripples on the top of the water. Okay, the, the, going, the wind's going that way. We need, we need to do this. This is how we figure out what wind is doing. There's no other way. So, so the best we can do is look at the effects of what it means to be spiritual. 
to understand the spirit and what a spirit is. He is involved in the beginning of life. <clears throat> Next thing, we'll go back to 2 Corinthians for our second point. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring with you into his presence. We're talking about eternal life. And again, you're thinking, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? I know. I knew you were thinking that. Uh, so, it's, it's fortunate that, that there are other verses. If, if you want to look at a, a really a good parallel passage, Romans 8 is, is wonderful. Uh, Romans 8, 10, and 11 says, But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And that's what the spirit has to do with that. It is the spirit that performs life. And so we've seen him at the beginning with physical life. We've seen him <clears throat> recreating this, this person spiritually. We see that it is the Holy Spirit that does things eternally. That, that it is, it, He's going to rearrange this body. I don't know how or what it's going to look like. Again, it's the Spirit's work. I'll let him handle that. But he's going to make it <clears throat> so that it's going to be able to, to live eternally. It is eternal life. Life is what the Spirit does. <clears throat> well, we'll go back to 2 Corinthians for our, our last point here. <clears throat> it says, So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Well, that's kind of a spiritual concept, right? Inner self, the, that where one ends, the outer self, kind of the body. And we, we have this dichotomy, this thing that God has made. The Holy Spirit has kind of breathed life and, and made me kind of this two-part thing. But I want to talk about quality of life. I know what you're thinking. I don't see the Holy Spirit in this passage. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll look and see if we can find it somewhere. Oh, Romans 8. <clears throat> Man. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. What do you think when you hear the phrase, man, this is the life? You ever heard that phrase? Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to your mind is not, wow, I am really performing biological functions. Right? It's not simply I am performing functions of life. You know, there's a there's respiration and there's all these functions of life, the seven or eight, whatever things there are that, that, are, that are, are life. We, we, we don't think about that. We don't think in terms of science. When we hear the, that phrase, man, this is the life, we think of quality of life. We, we think of things that are associated with comfort or ease. Something that has, it's like, wow, this, this is nice. The Holy Spirit does quality of life. He doesn't just make me alive and perform functions and, and okay, now I'm, I'm spiritual, so I've, I've got to perform some functions in the church. 
right? That morality that, that people boil things down to an equation and says, well, uh, perform this, this function. You're, you're, you're a Christian now, perform functions. Now, that's a part of it. But he goes beyond that. He, he gets into quality of life. And here he specifically mentions one. He says, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. In other words, there's, there's these benefits that come from life as being affected by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 gets a little bit broader. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All the quality of life things come from God. They come, and it's through these spirituality. That's, this is the evidence, right? This is, I can't tell you what the spirit is. I can't define it for you, but it's going to be visible through the quality of life. How does that work? And how does that work? Um, well, we're connected. We go back to the beginning of, of how we were made, and, and there's this weird connection where, where I was a, a body, I wasn't doing anything, Right? Man was just a body, lying on the ground, unanimated, dead. And, and the spirit comes along and says, I'm going to put a, a spirit in him. And then he became a soul and performs functions, life functions. And, and, and the first thing that man does, we start thinking about quality of life. That's the first thing we do. Right? They saw a tree and they saw that it was pleasing to the eye. All the things that we go, quality of life, exciting, wonderful stuff. Now, it gets us into trouble sometimes, uh, as it did with Adam and Eve, but, but that's the first thing we think, how to improve my life. That's what we do. Go to get a job. What are you doing? I'm going to make my life better. I'm going to get a bigger house. And all the functions of life, ease, nice, comfort. Well, the Spirit acts on a higher level. He says, we're going to do this on a holy level because I'm a holy spirit and so so God makes me alive he takes this old person he he says well, we got to get rid of some of this and we're going to breathe new life into you and somehow he just adds on top of what's already there he doesn't get rid of the soul part of me or spirit part of me that's still in there but he adds something on top of there to a next level I don't know how he does this and he says we're going to elevate right we're going to take you up to a higher level and we're going to have you perform functions that end up giving you a better quality of life. And you can work all you want. You can do all the things you want to, to give yourself ease and, and comfort in this life. But you're only going to get so high. You're going to max out with your spirit that, that you were born with. You're going to max out. You're going to need a holy level, a spiritual level to get those spiritual blessings. Those are up here. And so it is spiritual principles that give us true comfort, true peace of mind, 
knowing that there is an eternal destiny. We talked about eternal life. That requires spiritual principles. And that requires the Holy Spirit's influence because he does life. He does quality of life. All those spiritual blessings are only available through the work of the Holy Spirit. When, as we go through this series, most of what we talk about will be this first element of the Holy Spirit having to do with life, having to do with making my life better. It is, it's not this list of rules, that, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this. No, that, uh, it doesn't boil down to an equation. That's not what Christianity is. It's not an equation. Don't make it into an equation. I can't define it for you. But I can tell you that you are going to notice a better life as a Christian. And that's just a fact. You're going to see it. You're going to look back and go, oh, the wind blew this way. I'm really glad for that. Things are better. I'm not exactly sure how I got from point A to point B, but it's better. I might be able to identify some points along the way. I made this decision. This was a spiritual decision. It affected me this way. And we'll notice the changes that come along. Quality of life. We're going to conclude with, with some, some thoughts. He says, set your minds on the things of the Spirit. That's where we want to do. A couple things. Because it appears from looking through the Scriptures that the important or one of the key elements in being spiritual has to do right here. It's, it's not sitting on a mountaintop and emptying our mind of things. That's, that's setting your mind on nothing. That type of meditation, people, oh, you meditate. Do you meditate? Well, we're supposed to meditate. You read the Bible, you'll get, you'll get the idea that you're supposed to meditate, but, it, but it's not emptying your mind of stuff. It's, it's throwing a lot of stuff in there. That's Meditate. He says, he says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You want to be spiritual, you're going to have to put something in that comes from the Spirit that is going to give life. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. That's what and he talks about, being spiritually minded. All these phrases. What does it mean to be spiritually minded? We haven't identified the Holy Spirit. We haven't really defined my spirit. <laughs> How in the world am I supposed to set my mind on the things of the Spirit? I can't even identify them. I can't re really wrap my hands around it. Because I like to put things in a box. I like neat boxes. Uh, we had to pack and go down to Arkansas this week. And, and, and so I like, I'm the packer. We have to get... So many kids in, we have this much stuff, we have to do it. We're going to do it. A tight space? All right. We rented a vehicle, it ended up smaller than the one that we thought, and it was just kind of a hair. We're still getting five people in this vehicle and stuff. I like, yeah, only do that if you can, nice, neat. And the Spirit says, I elude nice, neat boxes. The Spirit doesn't do nice, neat boxes. Not, not for me. So how do I set my mind on the things of the Spirit? I want you to think. Any meeting that you've been a part of where 
You say, well, you conclude and you say, Wednesday night's pretty common. Do we have anything to pray about? All right. Have some things to pray about. What do we pray about? Think, review in your mind. And I'm not saying this is bad to do. I just want you to think of what we ask to pray about. This person has an operation. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about that, by the way. Right? This person's recovering. This person's. And we go through the list of physical ailments. We come with a default switch that is physically minded. If we came spiritually minded, Paul wouldn't have to write, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. We come naturally, and again, it's not that, that we're selfish, because we're, we can be very, very concerned about someone's physical condition. We're very concerned. It's not a selfish thing. It's just a physical thing. And I'm not saying that we should stop doing that. I'm, I'm telling you, we naturally do that. We don't have to, God doesn't have to say, set your mind on important physical things. We don't have to be told that. We've just come hardwired that way. He says, listen, you need, to, you need to do something else and add to something. So we need to think about being spiritually minded. Say, okay, here's a prayer request. It's a physical prayer request. All right, we have a physical prayer request. Now, to be spiritually minded means to add something on top of that. Because God didn't, like, get rid of my physical body. The Spirit didn't get rid of my physical body when He made me spiritually alive. He just added something on top of it. So, so here's a physical prayer request. What are the spiritual concerns in that? Here's a person that's got a sickness. Well, how are they emotionally dealing with this? How is this affecting them spiritually? Are they, are they, are they experiencing depression? Are, 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 what's their relationship with God? These are all these concerns that really are connected, but we're concerned about what? I hope they get better. Okay, what if they don't get better? Be spiritually minded. I hear a physical thing. What spiritually, this is setting my mind, this is a deliberate action. Deliberately become a spiritually thinking person when you hear a thing. What can I do? Here's a, here's, a, here's a physical situation. What can I do? That's a spiritual thought. I can pray for him. I can do this. I can, a lot of things. Okay. What can I do? That is what it means to be spiritually minded. So I want to leave you with, with two ideas. Two challenges. That's kind of one. I want to look at the past. I want to... Me personally, I'm going to leave here and be spiritually minded, right? I'm talking about life. Think about my life in the past. And I want to identify some things. Can you identify specifically ways? We talked about this, point A to point B. Can I identify... Things that have specifically improved from the last six months. Can I, can I, can I go, a year ago, this is where I was. This is, this is things that I was doing or deciding or these were my priorities. Can I, can I notice a positive movement? If not, then the Spirit is not being allowed 
to motivate me in the direction he wants to take me. I should be able to go through. No, no, there are hiccups. <laughs> Sometimes those down ones, I feel worse than I was a couple of months ago. Okay, that happens. Okay, so now what? This is the process. We, we need to be identifying and evaluating uh, where we've come from. And, and notice if things seem spiritual or are we kind of stuck in the physical. Look at the past and look at the future. The future is this. I can't stop thinking about physical things. As I said, I come hardwired this way. But I'm, I'm, I'm connected. I naturally will think of those those physical things, but I want to try to start the process of seeing physical things through a spiritual lens. Start trying to evaluate the things you hear physically through that through that lens that says, how can I improve my quality of life spiritually or somebody else's quality of life spiritually? How can I, maybe this person needs new life spiritually. How can I introduce them to that through this physical thing? I think this is one of the things, and we're going to be more specific as time goes on. This is just a general introduction to an element, the primary element of, of the Holy Spirit is that he wants to do life for me and for the people around me.